Good evening and welcome to our Bible study. And this evening we're looking at Revelation chapter 21, starting to read at verse 6. Revelation 21, verse 6. He said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. To him who is thirsty, I will give to drink without cost from the springs of the water of life. He who overcomes will inherit all this, and I will be his God, and he will be my son. But the cowardly, the unbelieving, the vile, the murderers, the sexually immoral, those who practice magic arts and idolaters and all liars, their place will be in the fiery lake of burning sulfur. This is the second death. One of the seven angels who had the seven bowls full of the seven last plagues came and said to me, Come, I will show you the bride, the wife of the Lamb. And he carried me away in the spirit to a mountain great and high and showed me the holy city, Jerusalem, coming down out of the heaven from God. It shone with the glory of God and its brilliance was like that of a very precious jewel, like jasper, clear as crystal. It had a great high wall with twelve gates and with twelve angels at the gates. On the gates were written the names of the twelve tribes of Israel. There were the three gates to the east, three on the north, three on the south, and three on the west. The wall of the city had twelve foundations, and twelve apostles, twelve at twelve foundations, and on them were the names of the twelve apostles of the Lamb. The angel who talked with me had a measuring rod of gold to measure the city, its gates and its walls. The city was laid out like a square as long as it was wide. He measured the city with the rod and found it to be twelve thousand stadia in length and as wide and high as it is long. He measured its wall and it was a hundred and forty-four cubits thick, a man's measurement which the angel was using. The wall was made of jasper and the city of pure gold as pure as glass. The foundations of the city walls were decorated with every kind of... The wall was made of jasper and the city of pure gold, as pure as glass. The foundation of the city walls were decorated with every kind of precious stone. The first foundation was jasper, the second sapphire, the third chalcedony, the fourth emerald, the fifth sardonics, the sixth carnelian, the seventh chrysolite, the eighth beryl, the ninth topaz, the tenth chiropophas, and the eleventh jacinth, and the twelfth amethyst. The twelve gates were twelve pearls, each gate made of a single pearl. The great street of the city was of pure gold, like transparent glass. Well, God will add his blessing to that reading of his word. We're going to look at those verses shortly. Before we do, let's just pray together. Our Father, we do thank you again for this opportunity we have to come before you and to read your word. And we pray that it will be your words that we hear. We might not understand them all fully, but we'll understand enough to know the greatness of who you are. And our Father, we just ask your blessing upon us as we do this together in your name. Amen. Right, this passage of Revelation, uh, I've titled it, A Glorious Picture of Heaven. Uh, 
First of all, let's look at verse 6 through to 7. And this is from the beginning to the end. 21 verse 6. He said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give water without cost from the spring of the water of life. Those who are victorious will inherit all this and I will be their God and they will be my children. The words there, it is done. You know, God spoke these same words when he administered his judgment that was in Revelation 16 and we read in verse 17 of that chapter, the seventh angel poured out his bowl into the air and out of the temple came a loud voice from the throne saying, it is done. The same words are used here in chapter 21 as the old order of things gives way to the new heaven and the new earth. It is done. And then we can consider the words of Jesus from the cross as he paid the price that would secure our salvation. It is finished. I want you to also notice the reference to the words of the prophet Isaiah 55. It's actually verse 1. Come all you who are thirsty, come to the waters, and you who have no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without cost. So with those verses in mind, listen to the words of Jesus in Matthew's Gospel. Matthew 5 verse 6. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Now listen to the words of Jesus as recorded by John in chapter 4 verse 14. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. You know, these words are woven threads of scripture, like as though they're being built in a tapestry, a tapestry that is about to be completed. Now, as we've already seen in Revelation, it is not a stand-alone book. It is an integral part of what God is saying to the world. And the world needs to listen. So who is speaking here to John here in Revelation? Well, it's the one who is. I am. It's the one who is the Alpha and Omega. The beginning and the end. So let's go back to Genesis chapter 1. Where we read, in the beginning... God created heavens and earth. And then a bit further down in that chapter, and God said, let there be light, and there was light. And then it was Jesus who was able to say of himself, I am. I am the light of the world. So as we draw to the end of the book of Revelation, we're given an insight into the new beginning. Now, we're not the first people who have been looking forward to this new beginning. When Adam sinned, God spoke these words to the one who, in Revelation 20, verse 2, he refers to as being the ancient snake who is the devil, Satan. So he speaks to Satan in Genesis 3, 15, right at the beginning. And he said, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. 
Now, I know you're very familiar with this verse, and it's quoted many times, but this verse is the start of a thread that will run right through from Genesis to Revelation. And what is being said in these words here? Well, it's confirmation that Satan is at work in the world. It also tells us that a Redeemer will come. And we know that a Redeemer did come. And we are being told that the faithful will be made righteous. And then one day, the judge's gavel will fall and all things will be made new. Now, the vision that John is seeing is the consummation of the words of the prophets. Prophets such as Isaiah, as they looked forward in anticipation to that day. Isaiah 52 verse 1. Awake, awake Zion, clothe yourself with strength, put on your garments of splendor, Jerusalem, the holy city. The uncircumcised are defiled, the uncircumcised and defiled will not enter your, you again. Now, this is prophetic words from the prophet Isaiah. We have to look at them as God speaks to us through the book of Revelation. He's saying, awake, awake, Zion. This is also a reference to God's church. Clothe yourself with strength. Put on your garments of splendor, Jerusalem. Again, we have to look at these words and what we're reading in Revelation. The holy city, the circumcised and defiled will not enter you again. This is a definite and that's what's happening here so we come to revelation 21 and verse 8 we read those who practice magic arts and idolatrous and all liars they will be consigned to the fiery lake of burning sulfur this is the second death now if you cast your minds back to last week we saw the stark contrast between the names of those written in the two books that in John's gospel, within his vision, he sees the books being opened. And this opening reminds us of the awful consequence of sin and its destructive nature, and also the life-giving power of the cross. Now John is about to be given a glorious picture of heaven. Now, I'm sure that you, like most of us, will have had that thought. What will heaven be like? Well, you might be thinking of many things. I know when as a kid I always thought heaven was a place where you could get uh, multiple amounts of lemonade and bars of chocolate. That's with a, a, an infinite human mind and we sometimes think along those lines. But for us, with our finite minds, we have to have symbolic images of heaven and the reality of which will surely go far beyond our wildest expectations. But what we know for certain is what we've read in verse 7. Those who are victorious will inherit all this and I will be their God and they will be my children. 
Now, whatever we think heaven will be like, this is the phrase to keep in mind. We can know this truth here and now as Christians. But then it will be a far more glorious, perfect relationship than we can ever imagine. So let's continue in chapter 21. Look at verse 9, the bride. One of the seven angels who had seven bowls full of the seven last plagues came and said to me, Come, I will show you the bride, the wife of the Lamb. You know, John is seeing the fulfillment of the expectations of all the faithful believers. And as I have said, they are things that go far beyond our understanding. We have references, references to the glorious things that await us. But they're being presented to us in a way that we can begin to appreciate in a symbolic way to help us understand the depth of these things. You know, one of the things that God did, in fact, the first thing that God instituted was the institution of marriage. In Genesis 2, verse 23 through to 24, we read these words. The man said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She should be called woman, for she has taken out of man. That is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife, and they become one flesh. Now, the reference here to a bride and groom speaks of an intimate relationship of the love and commitment between a man and a woman. Now, God has chosen to use this as an illustration of the relationship that he has with his people. Now, Paul puts it this way in his letter to the church at Ephesus. And as I read a few verses from that, I want you to notice the reference to the imperfections of the relationship between man and woman and the perfect relationship that we can have with God through Christ. Now you can read these words in Ephesians chapter 5, it's verse 21 through to 23. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, submit yourself to your husbands as you do to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body, of which he is the Saviour. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should, should submit to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish but holy and blameless. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated their own body, but they feed and care for their body. Jesus as Christ, just as Christ does the church for we are members of his body. The reason a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife and to the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery, but I am talking about Christ and the church. Do you get that bit at the end? 
It's a profound mystery, you see. It's just a picture, probably the closest picture we can get to the, the, the love between man and woman and then illustrated as the love between God and us. And what do we see in those verses? What we really should be seeing is this, that Christ is the head of the church. Christ loves the church. Therefore, the church must submit to Christ. And the church is a radiant church. Now, consider this as that passage goes on. However, each one of you also must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. You see, this is a human analogy. There's a lesson in there for us as to how we should live. But the main contact, contents of this is the, the human analogy to help us understand the relationship that we can have with Christ. As a believer, we are part of the church. God sees us as the bride of Christ. Jesus loves us, we must love him. Jesus cleansed us from our sin. And we are radiant in the eyes of God. Now, as we go on in this passage of Revelation, the angel is going to show John the bride, the bride who is the church. But he shows him a city. Hmm, that might sound a bit strange. Let's read on. Verse 10 through to 14, the city. And he carried me away in the spirit to a mountain great and high and showed me the holy city, Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God. So to get a, a sort of hold of this, we need to go back to Revelation 5, verse 5 and 6, when John was told he would see something else. And this is what we read there. Then one of the elders said to me, Do not weep. See, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, is triumphed. He's able to open the scroll and its seven seals. Then I saw a lamb looking as if it had been slain, standing at the centre of the throne, encircled by the four living creatures and the elders. John was told that he was going to see a lion, and, and when he looks, he sees a lamb. But John saw the lamb. The lion and the lamb are synonymous with each other as of the bride and the holy city of Jerusalem, are synonymous with each other. So, this is not a literal city, it is a description of the true church, the bride. So, let's read through verse 11 through to 14. It shone with the glory of God, and its brilliance was like that of a very precious jewel, like a jasper, clear as crystal. It had a great high wall with twelve gates, with twelve angels at the gates. On the gates were written the names of the twelve tribes of Israel. There were three gates on the east, three on the north, three on the south, and three on the west. The wall of the city had twelve foundations, and on them were the names of the twelve apostles of the Lamb. You see, what we're reading here is that the city shone with the glory of God. It was radiant. God has given his church the robes of righteousness to wear. Back in Revelation chapter 19, verse 7 and 8, let us rejoice and be glad and give him glory for the wedding of the Lamb has come and his bride has made herself ready. Fine linen, 
bright and clean was given her to wear. And the relationship that we have with Christ is that of being his bride. Revelation 21 verse 2, I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. Let's move on to verse 15 through to 17, the measurements. Verse 15, the angel who talked with me had a measuring rod of gold to measure the city, its gates and its walls. The city was laid out like a square as long as it was wide. He measured the city with the rod and found it to be 12,000 stadia in length and as wide and high as it is long. So, the place where God dwelt with his people in the wilderness was the Holy of Holies. Now, this was a perfect cube. We have the measurements in Exodus. And it was within the tabernacle. But it was a place where only the high priest could go. And that was only on one day a year, the Day of Atonement. The new heaven and the new earth is the place where God will dwell with his people. But get this, it's the place where his people will dwell with God. Not just for one day, but for eternity. This is the consummation of the curtain that was ripped from top to bottom when Jesus died on the cross. We read in verse 21, verse 3, And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. Let's go on to verse 17 of chapter 21. The angel measured the wall using human measurements, and it was 144 cubics thick. Now, the thickness of the wall is symbolic of God's security and his protection. And this reminds us of a verse from Matthew, Matthew 20, uh, 28, verse 20. When Jesus said to his disciples, Surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. That was Jesus confirming his protection of his disciples. Revelation 21, verse 18 to 21. We have the structure of the city. The wall was made of jasper and the city of pure gold, as pure as glass. The bride will reflect God's glory. This is what this verse is saying. The wall was made of jasper and the city of pure gold, as pure as glass. This is a reflection of God's glory as never seen before. In verse 19 through to 20. The foundations of the city walls were decorated with every kind of precious stone. The first foundation was jasper, the second sapphire, the third agate, and the fourth emerald. The fifth onyx, the sixth ruby, the seventh chrysolite, the eighth beryl, the ninth topaz, the tenth turquoise, the eleventh jacinth, and the twelfth amethyst. Twelve precious stones that were displayed on the breastplate of the high priest, representing the tribes of Israel. And as he entered the Holy of Holies on the Day of Atonement. So we need to keep this in mind. It's symbolic. It's a picture of something which actually happened and was real. 
And in verse 21, the twelve gates were twelve pearls, each gate of a single pearl, made of a single pearl. The great street of the city was of gold as pure as, a, as transparent glass. So I think just for this evening, we'll pause for a moment. There's so much here, we could discuss it uh, in great detail. But for us this evening, I want us just to take a time to pause and consider the significance of the twelve gates and the foundations. So verse 12 of chapter 21. They had a great high wall with twelve gates and with twelve angels at the gates. And on the gates were written the names of the twelve tribes of Israel. Then we go into verse 13. There were three gates on the east, three on the north, three on the south, and three on the west. Then verse 14. The wall of the city had twelve foundations, and on them were the names of the twelve apostles of the Lamb. And then in verse 19a of chapter 21. The foundations of the city walls were decorated with every kind of precious stone. Okay, let's consider these, the walls. They had 12 types of precious stones built into them. Stones that represented the 12 tribes of Israel as worn on the breastplate of the high priest. This is the priesthood. Way back to Revelation chapter 1, verse 5 and 6. And from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead and the ruler of the kings of the earth, to him who loves us and freed us from our sins by his blood and has made us to be a kingdom and priests to serve his God and Father. To him be glory and power for ever and ever. Amen. This was addressed to the seven churches who are representative of the true church of God, representative of every believer. The foundations. The foundation had the names of the twelve apostles. So we've got the twelve tribes of Israel and the twelve apostles together and they together are the foundation of the gospel that is built on the life of Jesus, the death of Jesus, the resurrection and the ascension of Jesus. That's represented in both the Old and the New Testament. You know, I want to just quote a word from um, a verse from a hymn. It's a hymn by Samuel John Stone. And listen to this. Sometimes we, we misread it. When we read, it's the church's one foundation. And it's not the church is one foundation. It's saying the church's one foundation is. We've got to be clear on that. Sometimes when we sing the hymns, we don't get the true meaning. It's not about the church being one foundation. It's being what the church's one foundation is. So listen to this. The church's one foundation is... Jesus Christ, our Lord. She is his new creation by water and the word. From heaven he came and sought her to be his holy bride. With his own blood he bought her and for her life 
he died. You see, God is the builder and God is the foundation and the foundation is sure. Verse that we probably know quite well from 1 Corinthians is from chapter 3, two verses, 10 and 11. By the grace God has given me, now this is Paul speaking, I laid a foundation as a wise builder and someone else is building on it. But each one should build with care. For no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. So what Paul is saying is that by grace, God has given him a foundation, which Paul was then laying down. It's God's foundation. So Paul was just being a wise builder, building on that one foundation. And then he, he seeks that others be blessed as they build in on that same one foundation. And then he also warns them and us to be careful, for no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. We must not attempt to change the truth of God's word. Now with these few thoughts this evening, I want to finish with the rest of that hymn that I've just quoted the first verse of it's speaking about the church elect from every nation yet one or all the earth her charter of salvation one lord one faith one birth one holy name she blesses partakes one holy food and to one hope she presses with every grace endued the church shall never perish her dear lord to defend to guide sustain and cherish is with her to the end Though there be those who hate her and strive to see her fall against both foe and traitor, she ever shall prevail. Though with a scornful wonder the world sees her oppressed, by schisms rent asunder, by heresies distressed, yet saints their watch are keeping, their cry goes up, how long? And soon the night of weeping will be the morn of song. With toil and tribulation and tumult of her war, she waits the consummation of peace forever, till with the vision glorious her longing eyes are blessed, and the great church victorious shall be the church at rest. Great words there. And we can go back to where we started this evening. We know the truth of these words. Satan is at work in the world. The promise was that a Redeemer would come. A Redeemer did come. The promise that the faithful would be made righteous and that on one day the judge's gavel will fall and all things will be made new. Let's pray. Father, we thank you again for this short time we've gathered around your word. There's a lot more here than we could go into and... We could talk about it for a long time. But our Father, as we do look at it, we ask that we will come away appreciating some more of who you are and being able to look forward to things that we can't even comprehend that will be far greater than we can ever expect. Our Father, we ask these things in the precious name of Jesus. Amen.